Welcome to episode 187 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, still wondering what your first backpacking trip will be like? We think we can boil it down to five words. Then we found a solar charger that will not only power your electronics, but also rolls up to the size of a payday candy bar. And a hack for all you hammock hangers out there. Sorry, ground dwellers. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. So last month, I sent out an email to family members, just giving them an update of what was going on in our lives. And one of the things in the update was announcing the book, Backpacker ABCs, that we just published. And I got an email back from my dad, and he was so excited about it, but he had a suggestion. And I always take my dad's suggestions seriously. My dad is a man of few words, so when he does give me some, you know, counsel or fatherly advice, I'm like, ah, okay, that's what I'm doing. So he suggested that he would love to see a book that has trail wisdom and poetry that's all connected to the outdoors and hiking. He said he loves collecting hiking and trail quotes and committing some kind of quote or hiking verse to memory. He also collects pennies, like fancy pennies, like ones that are actually like in mint condition. But he collects hiking quotes, which I thought was really cool. I didn't know that about my dad. It's a cool thing to collect. They're (laughs) ultralight. Totally. And I guess now I know where I got my love of uh, trail wisdom from. Yeah. It's genetic. And they're always with you uh, once you collect them. Right. Today's trail wisdom is a little verse that my dad shared with me, that he's committed to memory. So we'll share that at the end of the show. And fathers do play a large role in getting their children outdoors. In fact, one of our listeners, Alex, shared a story about his father taking him out backpacking and what an impact that had on his life. So I was eight years old, and it was the night before my first backpack trip. And I remember laying in my tent at the car campground unable to sleep because I was so excited about putting that pack on my back and getting on the trail with my dad and my sisters and group of other folks from our church who went on these week-long trips every summer. But when daylight finally came and we hit the trail, reality quickly set in that this was going to be a lot more work than I had expected. And a couple of miles in on a pretty unrelenting climb, I became frustrated and I threw my pack down into the dirt. And that's when my dad calmly took my sleeping bag and some other gear and tied it onto his own pack, which I'm sure was already bursting at the seams. And with my load lightened, my mood, of course, immediately improved, and I practically flew up the trail and arrived at our campsite early, where I waited for my poor dad as he plodded along, carrying all of my weight up the mountain. He uh, he never complained. He did all of the work on those trips, uh, it seemed like, for uh, for my sisters and I, he He cooked, he cleaned, he comforted us when it was hard. He even carried our weight, but he never once complained. And those trips, I think, taught me a lot about being a father. Um, My dad is now in his 70s, 
He doesn't backpack anymore, but a couple of years ago, we took a short day hike into the same wilderness area where we'd gone on that first trip when I was a kid. And I carried all the weight this time, and we walked at a much slower pace for my dad since it's harder for him now. And we had a lovely day rediscovering some places that I think are probably almost sacred to both of us. Um, And I remember thinking, uh, this may be the last time my dad and I go into the wilderness together. And that made me sad. But at the same time, I know that someday when he's gone, the mountains are exactly where I'll be going to, to connect with him. I will feel his presence there when I take my own son for his first backpack trip. And I'll feel his presence there when I go on solo backpack trips, when it's just the wind in the trees and the birds, and you really have an opportunity to uh, reflect on your life and the, and the people you love. And so anyway, while I love talking about gear and methods and backpacking best practices and all that stuff, I think my own love of backpacking will always boil down to the people that I've shared some of those experiences with and the fact that the mountains will always be there to remind me of the love that we have for each other. Um, mountains will be there on my best days and my worst days. You know, the, the mountains will be there at 7 a.m. each Monday morning when I'm getting ready for work. And <laughs> the mountains will be there after my dad's gone and after I'm gone. And uh, the mountains will be there even when everything else in the world seems to be turbulent and chaotic. So the mountains will always be a constant uh, in my life, even if I can't always be among them, just as, as my dad will always be a constant in my life, even when he's gone. And uh, for me, that is a very comforting thought. So thanks for letting me share, guys. And we want to thank Alex for sharing his story. I think it's stories like those that inspire fathers with really young children to look forward to that day when they can take their own children out backpacking. The day is sooner than you think, I promise. Yeah, it is. And that first trip is like Alex talked about, where you set up the kid with all the gear that they need, and then 10 minutes later, it's on your back. And they're free, and they run up the trail, and they get there before you, and you do pretty much everything for them. Uh, What's amazing to me is how quickly that changes. And over a period of just a few short years, they will be hiking with a full heavy pack, as heavy as yours, and going faster than you, doing everything on their own, outpacing you in every aspect of the trip. (laughs) It's amazing how fast that happens. But it's really fun. You start out doing everything for them, and then they get to a point where they can do everything for themselves. And whether your first backpacking trip includes children, or if it's just you and some friends, there are some words that might describe your first backpacking trip. And that's our top five list today the top five words that might describe your first backpacking trip. This was actually kind of a hard list to put together because I wanted to put words on there like exhilarating, breathtaking, thrilling, you know, all those positive words. And I I didn't want to put just a whole list of negative words. So I kind of wanted to pick truthful words. Ones, I guess, that could go either way, depending on what your experience is like. So the number one word that might describe your first backpacking trip is surprising. You might be surprised at the things that happen or don't happen. You might be surprised that it was easier than you expected, or you might be surprised by what the real challenges actually were. So if you haven't been on your first backpacking trip yet, it might be kind of fun, a little experiment to write down the things that you expect. You know yourself, write down 
maybe what you expect of yourself or what you expect of the experience or what you expect of others, maybe even what you expect of the weather. Just what what are you uh, imagining in your mind? And I promise you will be surprised no matter what happens. One of the surprises for the family that we took backpacking for the first time a few weeks ago was just how little they really needed in order to get out on that first trip. They had imagined in their minds all the gear that they needed. They had bought new packs and some other things. And then as we got together with them to help finish everything up and pack for the trip, we helped them to identify some things they already had that I think they had maybe kind of discounted as, no, those aren't going to work for a backpacking trip. But those things ended up going in the packs and on the trip. And they ended up being surprised that that's all it took. Yeah. And the mom commented that packing for a car camping trip was actually a lot more difficult because there was a lot more stuff that they packed and crammed into the back of their car. So yeah, there are good surprises. There will be bad surprises, but your first trip will be surprising no matter what. The number two word that might describe your first backpacking trip will be empowering. It takes some planning to get out on your first backpacking trip, especially if you're taking other people along too. But when you finally make it to the trailhead and then make it to your campsite or you make it to the view or to the lake or you overcome a frustrating challenge like leaving a piece of gear at home accidentally, you should be proud of yourself. Those milestones are so empowering. It took a lot to get there. You did it. You can do hard things. My first multi-day backpacking trip as a scout was right after I turned 12, and it was a 30-miler, and it was empowering for me. I was the youngest kid on the trip. All the other kids were a year or two older than me. Now that I'm in my 40s, I look back and I say, that's not much of a difference between 12 and 13. <laughs> but at the time, they were way older than me, and I looked up to them, and it was empowering to me to know that I was out there under my own power, having everything I needed in my pack to do this multi-day backpacking trip with kids who were older than me, and that I was keeping up. Uh, in reality, they did a lot to help me along the way, but it was still empowering to me to see that I could do that. The number three word that might describe your first backpacking trip is overwhelming. And we talked about that with the family that we brought with us a few weeks ago, that we were afraid they were going to be overwhelmed in a bad way, but we hoped that they would be overwhelmed in a good way. So there's both on a backpacking trip. When you get out there, you'll realize that there is so much that you don't know yet. And you may have thoughts even like, oh, there's no way I would ever sleep in a hammock, or there's no way I would ever bring my kids, or there's no way I would ever try going stoveless, or I, I couldn't memorize knots. Those things are all going to seem hard to a beginner. But after you start having those small successes and those short overnight trips that are close to home, you'll be ready for learning new things. And it's going to happen line upon line. On our last backpacking trip, Josh and I experimented a little bit with setting up a tarp instead of a tent. So it was just a big piece of sill nylon, and it looked pretty saggy and pitiful when we set it up. And so that's maybe how your experience is going to be at first, kind of saggy and pitiful. And you'll think, oh, there's no way I can get to the next level. It's just going to be too hard, too overwhelming. But you'll get there. 
and eventually you'll have a nice taut pitch to your tarp and you'll gain confidence with every little success that you have. But you have to start somewhere. And so we started with a saggy tarp and we'll eventually get to the point where it looks pretty good. Yeah, we'll probably take a tarp out on our next trip. We'll, we'll do it a few times until we get it down. And at first it is overwhelming. You just stand there looking at the tarp going, huh, how are we going to set this up and how are we going to sleep under this? <laughs> next trip, we'll have the experience of the last trip to help us out. The number four word that might describe your first backpacking trip is exhausting. You might be thinking things like, oh, I thought I'd sleep better, or I didn't think it would take this long to put up a tent or figure out how to make dinner. You may end the trip feeling exhausted. You may end the first day of the trip feeling exhausted or frustrated or sore. But um, the more you get out backpacking, even if it's just on small, simple, close to home trips, you'll get in a groove and it will become more exhilarating than exhausting. Exhausting is a word that described my first 30 miler as a Boy Scout. Towards the end of the trip, I started suffering from hyperventilation. The other boys and the leaders recognized what was going on, and they helped me to kind of get relaxed and, and back to normal breathing, and, and we were able to continue on. But as exhilarating as the trip was, it was difficult for me, to the point that I was hyperventilating at one moment. I guess the funny thing to me is I look back with just great love for that first trip that I took. Why would I love a trip where I hyperventilated? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't that know. Is one of the paradoxes of backpacking. Yeah, that you put yourself in these uncomfortable, challenging situations, yet you come back feeling just really cool about yourself. <laughs> and the number five word that might describe your first backpacking trip is liberating. No matter where you go, there are no walls outside. And it's a very freeing feeling. And I'm guessing it's a feeling you'll want to experience again and again, since most of us spend most of our day behind walls. Wow, that sounds depressing. That's like being behind bars. <laughs> and it is kind of depressing, actually. I have to get outside, get away from those walls and be where everything is open. Well, we've had a lot of listeners tell us, I can't get out backpacking right now, or it's been a really long time since I've been out, and your show is what gives me hope. It helps me relive backpacking memories or look forward to my next trip. So yeah, being outside is liberating, and it definitely has an impact on our creativity and on our mood. Now I've applied these five words to a first backpacking trip, but how many of these words would you say still apply to recent backpacking trips that we've been on? Boy, I guess almost all of them do. <laughs> uh, definitely liberating. Every trip I go on is liberating. Maybe surprising is one that diminishes a little over time, especially when we go to places we've been to before, and I can pretty much predict what the trip's going to be like, what the weather will be like, uh, where we're going to camp, all of that. But it's still empowering. And yes, it's still exhausting sometimes. <laughs> I hope that I'm staying in good shape. But especially over the winter, I often feel that I've gotten out of shape and just sat too much throughout the winter. And then summer comes and yeah, I take a backpacking trip and go, oh, that was exhausting. <laughs> that was really hard. I'm not in shape. I get back in shape again and it gets better. But that it still happens. 
So perhaps some of these things diminish a little over time, but others, they're just always there. Yeah, and I guess as some of these words diminish, other words will take their place. And I guess it's up to every backpacker to figure out what word they want to put in place of the other words. Maybe challenging is something that you want to have be a part of your backpacking trips. Life-changing, thrilling, uh, maybe comfortable is a word that's a priority to some people. But no matter what words you choose to describe your backpacking trips, I think these five are kind of the... Uh, the baseline, the ones that will help a first-time backpacker know what to expect on the trip. So you know it's going to be surprising, it's going to be empowering, it'll probably be overwhelming, exhausting, and definitely liberating. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Powerfilm Lightsaver USB Roll-Up Solar Charger and Battery Bank. This is one of the most unique solar chargers that I've ever seen because it's flexible. It rolls up. Typically, solar chargers are kind of this hard, heavy material. Maybe you'll have some panels that are attached to each other so they can kind of maybe bend and you can fold them up and stick them inside of your pack. This is the first one that I've ever seen that actually rolls up to literally the size of a payday candy bar. It is so small, and if you're interested in reducing your pack volume, this might be a really great solar charger to take a look at. And not only is it a flexible solar panel, but it also has a power bank attached to it. Yeah, I'd say the most common use case for the Powerfilm lightsaver is to charge the built-in battery before you leave, and then to keep it topped off by unrolling the solar panel leaving it out in, in the light, but knowing that you've started with a fully charged battery. The internal battery is 3200 milliamp hours. That's a little bit more capacity than a cell phone battery. So if you're charging your cell phone off of this, you're going to get about one charge off of the internal battery by itself. And then if you can keep the battery topped off by unrolling the solar panel, then you can get some more charges while you're out on the trip. For utility, you can use the Powerfilm lightsaver to charge your device while the lightsaver is charging in the sun. So the built-in battery essentially is like a reservoir. There's power coming into it from the solar panels and power going out of it to your phone or other electronics. And even while there's power going out, there can be power coming in. For mass, the Powerfilm lightsaver weighs 5 ounces. This is the lightest solar charger of this size that we've ever seen. And we have other chargers. Uh, we have one from BioLite that's 14 ounces, one from Core Third that's 11 ounces, one from Renogy that's 13 ounces. So five ounces for a solar charger is pretty amazing. It's less than half of what the other chargers are. And this charger is most similar to the BioLite charger where it has a built-in battery, but at one-third of the weight of that BioLite. Our other two chargers, the Core Third and the Renogy, work really well, but they have no batteries built into them. So you just get power out of them while the sun is shining. Or, uh, Well, they work pretty well even when the sun's not shining. But there's got to be some light uh, to get any power out of them. The Powerfilm Lightsaver, when it's unrolled, it has about 6 inches by 12 inches of solar panel surface which is a fair bit less than the solar panel surface on our Core Third and Renogy chargers. So for that light weight, uh, one of the trade-offs you're making is that you're getting less solar panel surface. And solar chargers are one of those tricky pieces of gear 
where if you're going to be hiking under a forest canopy, you're not going to be able to really access a lot of sunlight, even though technically it's light around you. Your solar charger isn't going to be able to soak up enough light in order to charge the battery or to charge your phone. So these really do work best in full sun. They need the power of the sun in order to harness that energy. We've tested some panels in bright, cloudy weather, and some panels work uh, in those conditions and some don't. Even the ones that do work in a bright, cloudy condition still work much better when it's full sun. Yeah, so as far as maintenance goes, hike on a bright, sunny day. Or another option is to use your zero day to lay out your solar charger, charge up your device, and be ready to go the next day. When our family has used solar chargers in the past, it's usually on a zero day. We'll lay it out in camp. I know you can attach it to the back of your pack. That's how you usually see solar chargers being used, but I think they work much better when you can just lay them flat, when the sun can hit it directly, and when you're not hiking through trees and shadows. For investment, the PowerFilm Lightsaver is $100, and it has a two-year warranty. For trial, I love that this charger has a battery bank. That means that you can pre-charge it before you leave from home, and then just top it off throughout the trip. I think that's the most effective way to do it. We took the lightsaver out on our backpacking trip to the Metolius River, and I did love that it was so compact. Um, a lot of the other chargers warn against bending it too much, or you have to fold it up a certain way so that it won't. Well, I don't know why, but yeah, some chargers are very particular about the way that you fold it up. But the Power Film lightsaver, you just roll it up and you can attach the loops that are on the end around the charger, and so it'll stay nice and compact. Um, another thing that I like about it is that it has this canvasy type fabric. It's really durable, and so if you do shove this in your pack, um, you're not exposing the actual solar film to all the dirt and grit in your pack. It's covered by this really tough material. Solar panels are one of the toughest pieces of gear that we test. At least with solar panels that have no battery built in, I can go outside and I can plug in a current meter in between the solar panel and the device that I'm trying to charge, and I can see exactly how many volts and amps are coming out of the solar panel into my device. Even that is incredibly tricky because as I plug different devices in, I can get different results that don't make sense sometimes. If you plug that same device into a wall charger, it'll charge quickly. Then you plug it into the solar panel and it charges slowly. But you take a different device and it'll charge just as quickly off of the solar panel as it does off of the wall outlet. And it's amazing. USB seems so simple, but it must not be. Because these devices seem to make lots of decisions about how much current they're going to draw. So it gets really tricky to, to have a kind of apples-to-apples -apples comparison from one solar charger to another unless I test with lots of different devices as the load on those solar chargers. Now, on top of that, add in the fact that the PowerFilm lightsaver has a built-in battery. So that means there's no way for me to directly gauge how many amps I'm actually getting out of the panel. I can only look at how many amps are coming out of the battery but I don't know how many amps are going into the battery when the sun is shining on the panel. So it just gets really tough. 
So for this power film, we took it on our backpacking trip on the Metolius River, and on that trip we had a mix of sun and clouds, and we spent a lot of our time hiking, which meant that we also had time in the shade, even if it wasn't cloudy. I sat the solar panel out on a sunny spot in the morning on one day of our trip, and I let it sit there for a couple hours before we took off hiking. By the time that couple hours had passed, the sun had moved enough that the solar panel was in the shadows. Uh, I checked the indicator light, and I noticed that it had gone from the 0 to 10% range up to the 10 to 50% range in that couple of hours. But I didn't know if it was at 10% or 50%. And then that was the end of our test on that Metolius River trip. The rest of the time, we were in the shade or hiking on the trail in the shade, uh, other activities in the shade, got to camp where the sun was already setting, and there was no more full sun on that entire trip. The manufacturer says that it takes six to eight hours for the solar panel to fully charge the built-in battery, and that compares to three hours to fully charge the battery if you plug it into a wall outlet. So what that tells me is that this solar panel is charging at about half an amp, and that's less than half of the amperage that we get out of the Renogy and the Core 3rd. And it also tells me it's going to be challenging for me to find a stretch of six to eight hours that I can get this thing into full sun and see if it fully charges over that six to eight hours. Maybe if we lived in a different part of the world, that might be easy, but it's been a challenge. Now, you mentioned that it was smaller than the other ones that we have. That's got to play a big part in how much power from the sun it can suck up. Right. Less surface area simply means less power coming out of it. So I guess you would have to determine if the smaller panel size is worth the decreased weight. Yeah, which will depend in part on the load that you plan on having on it. If you only have a cell phone and it's going to be an airplane mode and you just want to top it off over a week-long trip, then this might be the right option. If you're also bringing a camera and a few other devices and you're going to use them a lot and you need to fully charge each of them every day, uh, then yeah, this just won't have the capacity for that. So the jury's still out. We're still testing <laughs> to, to really see how long it takes to fully charge the built-in battery so that we can kind of back calculate from there and figure out how much power it really does soak up from the sun. But the good news is the summer is here. Summer in the Northwest is dreamy. We still get rainstorms, but nothing like we experienced when we lived in New York. Those were thunderstorms. Those were scary. So we're looking forward to testing this more and giving you some follow-up on our experience with the Powerfilm lightsaber. I love that it's lightweight. I love that it's compact, that it's flexible. It's easy to attach to a pack. And I'm looking forward to using this for topping off my phone and my headlamp on our upcoming backpacking trips this summer. For today's backpack hack of the week, hammock tree straps as gear storage. If you're a hammock dweller, you have a plethora of storage space on your tree straps. You can use your tree straps to hang things off of besides just your hammock. So you can tie your bootlaces together loosely and toss them over the tree strap and keep them off the ground. You can also hang your pack off of the tree strap. You can hang your jacket off of the tree strap. And if you plan on hanging lots of gear off of your tree straps, throw in a few extra carabiners and use those to hang the gear off your tree straps. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Douglas Malik. He said, 
The hills ahead look steep and high, and often we behold them with a sigh. But as we near them, level grows the road. We find on every slope, with every load, the climb is not so steep, the top so far. The hills ahead look harder than they are. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent children's book, Backpacker ABCs, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. Is a <laughs> caveman or nope? <laughs> You'll have a nice totly totly. Sure, I, I think it's a word. <laughs>